sharing wisdom and speaking truth, this is the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IPHC Leadership Cast. My name is Garrett Magby and today I am here with Dr. Tony Moon who is uh, uh, here to talk to us about a brand new book that he has just released called From Plowboy to Pentecostal Bishop, The Life of J.H. King. Dr. Moon, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm glad to be here at General Conference and glad to be participating in this conversation. I tell you what, we are privileged to have you on the program. And, uh, and like, like you mentioned, we're at the 28th General Conference here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so it's a privilege to get to uh, take a little bit of your time out of the conference to talk with us and um, just give us a little bit of background, a little bit of history on you, um, and uh, and then we'll lead up into the book and how that came about. Well, I, I was raised in a non-Christian home. I was raised in a fairly pagan home, but I, I got saved at 18 years of age, right out of high school at the Elberton Pentecostal Holiness Church in Elberton, Georgia. Okay. And... I soon ended up at Emanuel College. I finished a two-year degree there, Associate of Arts, and then I was the first person to finish the four-year degree in the School of Christian Ministries. Oh, very nice. In 1976. Okay. And then I started pastoring, and I have I have some 26 years of experience as a pastor, but most of that most of that has been since I've been a professor at Emanuel College. In the School of Christian Ministries, teaching Bible courses, ministry courses, and also for a good many years, a course in the history and theology of Pentecostalism. So, in terms of the institutional church, my total background is IPHC. IPHC? I got converted in a PH <laughs> church at 18 years of age. And as you can see, I'm a few years older than that now. <laughs> I've been in Emanuel College teaching for 33 years. 33 years. 33 years. That's amazing. That's incredible. And 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 uh, I assume been loving it the whole entire time oh, for yes. 33 years. Absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like every job. I mean, there are frustrations and there are disappointments yeah. from time to time. But but I've always believed that that's the primary ministry post. Yes. in which God has placed me over the last 33 years. I've pastored on the side. I've, I've served as a conference church education ministry director, now it's discipleship ministry director for a number of years. Right. For 12 years I was in conference leadership too on the side. But my primary job for some 33 years now has been teaching at Emmanuel College. And yes, I believe that's where God has wanted me to be. That's amazing. Now let me ask you this. Uh, when did you know, kind of when was that point in your life when you knew, hey, you know what? I think I want to go into higher education. I want to go into teaching. Uh, wh wh when was that calling? It was when I was pastoring my second church. Really? I, I pastored my first church in the Georgia Conference, Port Wentworth on the north side of Savannah. Mm -hmm. But then um, my wife and I agreed that we felt like God was calling me to do some more education. Yeah. The basic graduate seminary program, Master of Divinity. We moved to Northern Virginia to do that, and I pastored while I was doing that. Okay. Now, at that point, I was not pursuing a graduate seminary degree for the purpose of teaching in one of our church schools. I basically, my main reason was I wanted to study the 
biblical languages. I wanted to study oh, okay. biblical Hebrew and Aramaic and New Testament Greek. Yeah, yeah. But during that three-year period of time, I began to sense a divine leading to move in the direction of maybe eventually teaching at one of our church colleges. Wow. And I did two more graduate degrees after that. Went ahead and master of theology degree at a different school and, and a doctorate. And so went ahead and went on and did your doctorate and uh, and this whole time just felt that kind of that inkling I guess in the beginning but it grew I would assume. Oh yes, yeah. it did. It did. That's amazing. And I first made contact in terms of possibly eventually teaching. I first made contact with Southwestern. With Southwestern Christian at, at University, Bethany, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. And um, later, soon thereafter, Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs. And especially, especially the contacts, the initial contacts with Emmanuel College were, were very, very positive. Very positive. Affirming. Now this was, this was during, uh, were you already working on your doctorate at this point or was this? Well, no, I didn't start working on my doctorate until after I started teaching full time at oh, Emmanuel gotcha. College. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so, I started teaching full-time at Emmanuel College after I'd finished my second master's degree. Second master's master degree. theology. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, that process, because you originally said, uh, that, or originally, that you had gone into um, really with an interest in studying the, the uh, biblical languages. Mm -hmm. uh, how, did that, as you were studying the biblical languages, one, I'm sure that was just a... a, a an eye-opening experience because studying the original languages and going back and comparing them with translations today mm -hmm. and, and scriptural, um, you know, references the way they were originally constructed, you know, things like that. Um, of course, just seems like that would be such a an eye-opening mm -hmm. course of study. But then through that, did you start to see a direction shift towards, you know, theological? Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but basically a theological focus in addition to that, or did it kind of all just come together, the whole process? It all came together. I mean, I had the primary reason why I wanted to spend a lot of time studying the biblical languages is for the purpose of increasing my understanding of the Bible, biblical theology, biblical thought. Gotcha. And nothing, nothing opens up. Yeah. your mind to understanding what the Bible teaches than being able to access the original language. Right, right. And to, it takes a long time to develop a lot of skill in that regard so that it really does help you a lot. You know, you yeah. need to do more than just learn the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got to do more than just elementary. Right. You've got to go through intermediate and advanced for it to really maximally benefit you in terms of it helping you in your study, in your teaching, in your preaching, in your understanding, in your ability to explain biblical thought. I gotcha. Out of, out of curiosity, uh, just a side note, what would you say the most um, accurate translation is currently in today's um, you know, popular translations to the original text as far as construction and that sort of thing? Well, that gets you into debate about, you know, the best, the best translation approaches. Yeah. But for serious Bible study, for serious Bible study, it is the so-called literal translations. 
literal translations. Which are ideal. Gotcha. And for many decades now, the NAS, the New American Standard, is commonly viewed by original language scholars as, as the best English translation to use to really get you in touch with the original language, especially from the standpoint of sentence structure, gotcha. word order. Gotcha. Uh, literal Bible translations tend to major on giving you the order of the words as they are in the original text. <clears throat> There's a lot less, you know, the NIV goes this route, for example, the New American Standard, the, <clears throat> the revised New American Standard. Right. They tend to change the word order a lot <clears throat> so that it conforms with modern 20th, 21st century North American English. So it's it's, under, it's comprehensible and understandable, but still trying to stick as closely yeah, to that original. Yeah, the idea is you, you stick as closely to the word order and you stick as closely to the meaning of the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek words as possible. Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> well, I, appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that with us because, you know, I've, I've heard different uh, opinions on it and that sort of thing, but I'd, I, you know, it's one of those things that's always interested me as far as the translations. Of course, when you're going to be studying the word, you want to be, um, be studying as closely as possible to that original language, in my opinion, mm -hmm. it, it would seem. And so... Uh, Appreciate that for sure. Now, for several decades, the New International Version is the most popular English translation. Yeah, yeah. And it's what is known as a dynamic equivalence approach to translation. It's, it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. It's a sort of a middle of the road approach. A little Not bit the strict between. literal word word approach, but also it, it doesn't move in the direction of a paraphrase. <clears throat> gotcha. So it's kind, of the, it's kind of the happy, uh, I would say the happy medium yeah. between the two. Yeah. Dynamic equivalence. That's, Dynamic that's equivalence. That's the term that's used for it. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I saw a chart one time that had, it was a, I guess it was a scale from left to right. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. the middle was the, the NIV yeah. between the literal and the, the paraphrase. Yeah. And so that's, that's excellent. Now let me ask you this, moving into, because um, I want to I kind of transition into the, the book that you've written recently. Um, so you've, you've spent this time, you've uh, earned multiple degrees this period of time, been teaching at Emmanuel College. What led up to the start of this book that you have just released? Uh, kind of give us a little background on that process. Okay. Well, primarily it started through my involvement with the Society for Pentecostal Studies. That's a professional organization of scholars who are interested in Pentecostalism, charismatic movement, neo-charismatic movement. Right, right. Of course, you know, up to that point, I'm talking about around 2004, okay. I had read a lot of the books, especially the books of early IPHC pioneers like G.F. Taylor and J.H. King. Yes. There was a, a plenary session at the 2004 Society of Pentecostal Studies Conference at Regent University in oh, Virginia yeah. Beach, Virginia. Douglas Jacobson was asked to give an overview of a book that he had recently published in 2003 entitled Thinking in the Spirit, Theologies of 
the early Pentecostal movement. He has a chapter on J.H. King in there. He has a chapter on G.F. Taylor. Okay. And I was intrigued by a thesis that he presented about King. Later, I read it in yeah. that chapter right at the very end. Yeah. He theorized that by the time King produced the second edition of From Passover to Pentecost, the first edition was produced in 1914, the second edition was 1934. Exactly the same book, except he added three more chapters. Three he more took chapters. out the autobiographical appendix. He theorized, well, he stated it very, very firmly. He was pretty dogmatic that by the time King published the second edition of From Passover to Pentecost, which was his major theological work, he had changed his mind about the doctrine of initial evidence. That is, he had changed his mind about the North American classical Pentecostal teaching that the first physical evidence of receiving the Pentecostal baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in one or more unknown languages. Yes. That's called. Yeah. The technical term for that is initial evidence. Yes. Yeah. And I had really... I had really serious doubts about whether that was correct. And I decided between now and next year's conference, I'm going to check this out for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I started. I started yeah. with the last two pages of the second edition of From Passover to Pentecost, but it took me far beyond that. Yeah. I did a lot of research. And I, that paper was published. Well, I read it. First, I read it at the 2005 SPS conference, and then it was published the next year, 2006, in the Journal of Pentecostal Theology. Okay. I entitled that article, J.H. King on Initial Evidence, Did He Change? Gotcha. <laughs> and I argued that, no, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't change. <laughs> and in my opinion, I, I demolished Jacobson's argument, <laughs> and he later told me privately, quote, you may be right, unquote. Be right. <laughs> That's what really got me started. Oh, really? It's, it was, and then after that, after that, in fact, I think it was, it was 2006, one of the issues of the Journal of Pentecostal Theology, 2006, another Pentecostal scholar, Church of God, Cleveland, mm -hmm. He published an article on King that he entitled Azusa Era Optimism, and he had a subtitle. Yeah. And his thesis was, his thesis was that J.H. King's overall theology of non-Christian religions was optimistic. That's the term he initially used. Optimistic. And I thought... That can't be right. <laughs> well, I did a lot of research on that. And, prim and what primarily what we're talking about here is what King wrote. Right. Um, it's most right. important that you look at the primary original sources, not yes. secondary sources. You've got to go to the primary sources. Anyway, that scholar and I went back and forth on this issue yeah. starting in 2007 until 2010, and then I put the capstone article on it in 2013. 2013. And uh, I argued, I argued yeah. that his thesis was absolutely, categorically, unequivocally wrong. <laughs> so <t> <laughs> and we debated, opposite, we debated yeah. about it sometimes at SPS conferences. So really it was, 
it was within the context of the Society of Pentecostal Studies and issues that other King students, scholars have been raising about King. That kind of drew me into the fray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you published, published a lot of uh, published a lot of academic pieces in the Journal of Pentecostal Theology and in in other periodicals and popular Christian magazines. I right. two or three years ago published a chapter in a book on Pentecostal preaching. Oh, excellent! I carefully examined what I call King's theology and practice of Pentecostal preaching, and. Since 2005, I've delivered about nine presentations on different aspects of King's theology in different venues, both academic and popular. But anyway, about eight to ten years ago, Benson Sinan started urging me <laughs> to write a biography of Bishop King. And the thought had already occurred to me, but I was very reluctant to do it because by that time I knew enough about how much Bishop King wrote mm -hmm. that I knew it would be a very long-term project. Yeah. And it would, it would be something I'd basically have to do on the side. Yeah, yeah. You know, in addition to my regular work at Emanuel College and pastoring, right, whatever right. other ministry I was involved in, and I just dreaded it, just to tell you the truth. Really? I, I dreaded it because I knew it was going to be a very long-term, laborious project. Yeah. But Dr. Simon <laughs> kept nudging me. <laughs> <laughs> Giving you that, that push to, to go to the... Yeah, and ultimately, ultimately, it probably was his urgings that, that caused me to decide, okay... I'm going to pursue this as a definite goal. Yeah, and you knew you knew because of because of the extensive knowledge you had on J.H. King, you knew the amount of work that would go into oh, yeah, properly exactly. formulating exactly. this this material. Exactly. Yeah. By that yeah. time, I was well aware yeah. that he produced a tremendous amount yes. of literature. Now, not many books. Mostly, it was in periodicals. Right, most right. of it in the Pentecostal Holiness Advocate. Yes, which yeah. was the name of the original IPHC periodical. Period. Started in May, and, and he wrote. He wrote. Uh, I, I I can't remember what the, the total was, and I don't. You, you might know off the top of your head, but uh, he wrote a tremendous amount for that publication. Oh yes, that, he did. Yeah, I mean it was just f phenomenal. Yeah. Blew my mind the first time I heard it. Two different times he was the editor. He was so the editor. He had to the, produce yeah. editorials. But even when he was not editor, you know, yeah. he, he regularly contributed. Yeah, absolutely. Articles every now and then, guest editorials, but just about every issue, just about every issue starting in 1917 when he became general superintendent of the PH Church, just about every issue there was something in there by King. If it was no more than just a letter to the editor or a ministry report. Right, right. Yeah, it was just a tremendous amount of material. But in terms of periodicals, you've got to go all the way back to the 1899-1900 Live Coals of Fire periodical produced by the Fire Baptized Holiness Association of America. Yes. And then you've got to look at the, the Live Coals periodical that he edited, 1904-1907. Right. First in Mercer, Missouri, then in Royston, Georgia. Later, the Apostolic Evangel, 
which was restarted in Falcon, North Carolina in 1909. Right. <clears throat> and then the PH most of Most of that material is in the PH Advocate. And going back through all of that material and, and, and what you're basically doing is showing a, a consistency in, in his stance. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, on um, the vast majority of significant theological, you know, the major theological themes, yes. they maintained yeah. a real consistency over the years. That's amazing. Although there was growth, there was yes. definite growth, and you right. can you can detect that yeah. as you study his writings over the years. Which which would be expected in, oh, in, in a, a person yeah. going through this journey of, of spiritual growth, sure. growing closer to the the Lord the entire time. You know, yeah, I think I think a very very important part of spiritual growth is growth in your understanding of what the Bible teaches about Absolutely. different issues. Absolutely. Um, you know, the scholars I like to listen to and read the most are scholars who are still on the learning curve, not scholars who think they've already got all the answers and they don't need to study anymore and they don't need to listen to anybody else. Right, right. They're still on the learning curve and they recognize that. Yeah. And on and, um, certain issues, King was like that. Certain other issues, he was not like that. <laughs> <laughs> you could see, I imagine you could see the development in, in the, the issues he was like that on, and then of course the other ones where you knew, you knew where he was at the entire but time. Early, early during his ministry career, that's when he went through the major changes theologically. Really? When he was transitioning out of Methodism into yeah. the fire baptized holiness movement and then the Pentecostal movement, February 1907. Gotcha. <clears throat> and you could see it. You could see it pretty, pretty clearly in the beginning. Those developments taking oh, place yes. as compared Absolutely. to Absolutely. later on. Yeah, that's amazing. Now let me ask you this, because we're unfortunately running out of time. Uh, how can people acquire a copy of the book, the the biography? Um, what are the best ways to do that? And if if they like to reach out to you, either through email or social or anything like that, what are the, the best contact methods and, and places to find the, the material? Well, the publisher is Emeth. Press. That's E M E T H. That's the Hebrew word for truth. Okay. Yeah. Emeth Press. E M E T H. You can go to emethpress.com online, okay. and you can order the book from the publisher. Of course, it's available on Amazon.com, okay. and you can probably get it cheaper. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Although, as you know. As you know, right now there are about ten options, and yeah. you have to look carefully at that. The, the The price of the book might be cheaper, but you've got to look at whether they're charging for shipping. You've got to look at right, whether they're right. charging for taxes. Barnes and Noble, it's it's available on the Barnes and Noble website. Okay. A galleon, based in the Philippines, I discovered a couple of weeks ago that they're even carrying it. Oh, wonderful! Galleon wonderful. online, galleon.com, based in the Philippines. Of course, Life Springs Resources, they're selling it. Yes. They're yes. selling it online, as okay. well as here at General Conference. Okay. Ministers, by the way, as always, get a 15% discount when they buy books at Life Springs Resources. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At lifespringsresources.com, I believe, is their, their yeah, website there. And my email address is tmoon at ec.com. Edu. Okay. Although now I'm keeping some copies, but yeah. that's that's primarily that's primarily for people in Franklin Springs, Royston, who can come by my office or I can drop by their office. You know, locals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm reselling copies that way. I'm not shipping. Okay. You know, if it needs so, to be shipped, <laughs> do you one of the websites. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. Okay. Excellent. Well, uh, Dr. Moon, I really, really appreciate it. Now, again, and I want to make sure I get the title right, but it's From Plowboy to Pentecostal Pastor. From Plowboy to Pentecostal Bishop. 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 The Life of J.H. King. The Life of J.H. King. Published by Emmeth Press. That's Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you being on the program with us today. And, uh, and then, of course, hopefully in the future, we might have another chance to sit down and do another interview at some point, uh, uh, you know, uh, whenever we can, whenever we can uh, meet up and do that. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.